Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, where we are looking back on Game of Thrones one episode at a time and dissecting them just like one of the many corpses that seem to pile up on a weekly basis. Uh, I am Chris Bolton, with me as always the mountain Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Uh, and this week, since it's our fourth episode, we're looking at season one, episode four, Cripples, Bastards and Broken Things. Um it's right there in the title. There you go. Bastard count for the week is up one already. <laughs> yeah, it's a little on the nose as titles go. I'll give it that, but uh, you know that's kind of what you expect from the show, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the title. Like, like I've, as I've mentioned before on this show, this is, this is the first time I've, I've rewatched, and I've I've not even really gone back with this show and. and sort of research the titles and, and that sort of thing um so these are all kind of coming up to me as we're watching them and obviously i'm, I'm reading them to, to write on my notes as titles go i thought that was quite good <laughs> and to obviously, be honest it's one of the only ones i remember from the first series without um without actually going back and rewatching. yeah and obviously it it um it basically references uh, a line from Tyrion very early on into the episode yeah. which we'll get to as we get to it but yeah for those playing along at home the bastard count is up one already for this week um it's okay probably about four by now <laughs> yeah um we haven't dropped the c-bomb yet that's not in the title so well, you know, yeah well, no, give, it, give it a chance yeah i'm sure we won't disappoint um so diving straight into it i guess then no no foreplay this week um you know i've got my box set now i've got nothing to report back on apart from the fact that new development actually i do have something to report back on i guess new development for those following my adventures in in trying to watch this fucking show um my blu-rays are damaged or either oh, my blu-rays are or my dvd is um sorry my my blu-ray player is uh for about 20 seconds of this episode i got nothing but artifacted garbage uh, i was I'm able to fast this. forward through it didn't lock the player up or anything like that so it was cool i probably just missed a couple of lines of dialogue um but okay. if there's gaps in my knowledge for this episode that's what it is um that's what you yeah. get for buying cheap blu-rays from ebay kids so let that yeah. be a lesson to Less- me I suppose. lesson learned yeah I guess yeah, so. We'll, we'll, we'll see what you miss. We'll see if there's anything important happened. Probably uh, not, to be honest. No, it was towards the end of a scene. I really don't think I've missed anything. If I thought it was anything major, I would have gone and bought the episode on Amazon, but or tried it in the in the PlayStation because maybe that would have worked. But anyway, I think it's fine. Um, yeah, we'll work it out. Yeah, of course, this is the point where you can tell me that literally fucking anything happens in that twenty seconds. Well, you, you saw the Martians, right? Uh, no, this must have been just before the Martians landed then. I thought I could yeah, remember there that. Like tw- there was like a 12 second bit of just like spaceship battle. It was fucking uh, awesome. Yeah, see, I thought I remembered Martians somewhere <laughs> along the line. Damn it. Would have made as much, as much fucking sense as later episodes. Yeah, that, that's the best bit, right? That's the one where they've all got like 73 tits and 10 cocks. And they just. Yeah, all, one, yeah. yeah they come down and have a big gangbang because that would be in keeping with this show, really, wouldn't it? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, creation myth. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess so, dive yeah, in. That out of the way. Yeah, yeah, that out of the way. Let, let's dive into the episode. <laughs> dive yeah, in so straight. We, um, Go on. I was just going to introduce the episode. It says um, title: "Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things." Uh, written by Brian Cogman and directed by Brian Kirk. So the showrunners had fuck all to do with the creative on this episode, and it shows. I think as a as a big step change from last week. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I mean, I've got to be honest. That we that we said. Um, that last week's was quite slow, it was quite a slog. I didn't feel that with this episode, even though probably as little happened. Uh, yeah, it's actually when, you know, um, spoiler alert, I guess, guys, for when we get to the end of the episode. But yeah, 
I say almost exactly that in my notes. Um, this is an entirely pointless filler episode, mostly. Um, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, but it's very well written. It nips along nicely. There's some excellent dialogue, lots of nice character beats again. Not as many yeah. as last week, to be fair, but those that are work very well. Um, yeah, and, and it introduces two of my favourite characters, actually. Yes, yeah, we get introductions of characters, one of which I had completely forgotten actually shows up this early on. And so was I was very surprised to see them, but we'll get into that when we get yeah, to it. I, th- I think I know who that one is, but we'll, we'll get to that one. Yes, probably it. not one of your two favourites, just an other character. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, straight into it then. Um, no beating around the bush to say that not only is there no foreplay on this episode uh, from us, there's no foreplay on this either, because here comes the fucking Three-Eyed Raven immediately, as soon as we start. Yeah. No, I mean, I've got. I remember watching. I remember this episode first time around when I watched it, um, and I was only sort of half watching it because I had it on my laptop and I had the PlayStation on the TV and I was sort of half paying attention. And I looked down and saw Bran walking at the, uh, with a bow and arrow. I thought, "What the fuck? What have I missed?" Um, and he's following the three-eyed raven around the castle, um, around Winterfell, and yeah, confused the living shit out of me until he then woke up and I realised I need to pay attention. Yeah, of course we don't actually know what the three-eyed raven is or would come to symbolise no. at this point. No, it's it's just, it's just a freakish, you know, Springfield-esque three-eyed animal. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like Blinky. Yeah, so you know, straight away we're starting to sow some seeds here in this episode. Um, it, it I quite like this. They just kind of throw it in there, and you go as you say, it's a bit freaky. You're like, what the fuck's that? And then it's gone, and we don't see it again for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah. One thing I will say though is we do then lead on to a couple of scenes with Bran. And since he's woken up, he's just become an absolute little prick. Um, he's a tween, isn't he? Yeah, like just a real sulky. I mean, okay, you got to give the kid some credit. He's lost the use of his legs. Um, but yeah, then, he checked out the fucking window. Yeah, if he wasn't being a little perv in the first place, then he'd still have the use of his legs as well. Yeah, so, I don't think that's what he was up there doing. I think that just kind of happened. He happened to be, he happened to find two people having a good, uh, good old time. And as a result, they're throwing up a window for it. I think on balance, it doesn't really, it's not really fair on him. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's Punishment doesn't really fair the crime. No, I would agree there. But I have been thinking about this because I was wondering, like, is it, you know, was he asking for it? And, you know, yeah, it's not like he knew that they were fucking in there. But it's also not like he tried to avert his gaze or apologize or get out of the way. way. No, he stood at the point once he's realized what's going on. At the point where he then doesn't disengage, that's where he becomes a perv. So he was perving, or but you know he is a tweener. The age, the age boy, is, so... I don't, I, well, he's only ten, isn't he? So I, mean, I don't know whether, I don't know whether adolescence kicks in that early up north in this fictional fictional world. Um, now maybe he didn't know what the fuck was going on. I mean, if it's like the north, they're, they're probably on their second child by ten, aren't they? The, you know, they need that child benefit, dude. Um, very true. I don't think they had, they had child benefit in uh, in in, uh, in Winterfell. Uh, no. I think the post office was shut. They couldn't collect the gyro. Uh, yeah, probably. Plus, I don't hear any Scouse accents actually. So yeah, I guess. Very true. Uh, and there's no car, there's no cast areas to steal, so they must all be doing something else. Um, I, mean, I guess you you steal horseshoes, I guess, and leave the horses up on bricks. Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so. I'll have to watch out for that in future episodes. Yeah. So yeah, Brand's just a, a little prick just and and even like you know he's being a prick because i've even written down that he's you know even feels like a prick when he's talking to theon and anytime somebody can out prick theon 
they are a but real I mean, prick I've, I've got to be honest like Theon came in like the big fucking I am you know you, you know, I, I have to do this therefore you have to do that no who the fuck are you you're nobody you're a slave no, is what he, you are uh. yeah he, he comes in he insults old man which you know I've got a bit of a soft spot with horror because you know, she died before she saw any of the shit um, but you know she, he comes in he, he's, he's aggressive he's abusive and basically says no I'm not putting up in your shit you'll come in with me just like the piece of shit he will go on to become in later episodes and to be honest yes okay Bran was being a cunt but I think Theon kind of deserved it because he's Theon that, yeah I mean Theon always deserves it but still just in general here Bran is a cunt to pretty much everyone and there you go that's the second one of the episodes that's two yeah uh, Mark two. broke the cherry though just for reference this week yeah, yeah this week um but then look it's all good because see i thought this happened earlier on i thought this happened like episode two but we've had to wait till episode four but never mind because here comes hodor and suddenly everything is much better about the scene so yes because anytime hodor's in a scene it's always great because he's just awesome um and i'll have nothing said against him until we get to some developments with hodor much later on where yeah. Uh, yeah, that may turn yeah, into a two-part that. episode. Uh, <laughs> or a really long one. Or a really long one, yeah. But at this point, he's nothing but just sweet old innocent Hodor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my problem with Hodor at this point is that it's kind of like looking in a sort of futuristic mirror <laughs> when the kids have driven me fucking insane and all I can say is my own name. And I'm grey and fat and just want to die. Uh, yeah, well, as I said way back at the start of the show, I, t- I was tempted to go with Hodor instead of the mountain, but I... I didn't want to do you a disservice by calling you retarded so uh is retarded Jury politically correct one. or should i be saying something else fuck no absolutely not. i don't know <laughs> for listeners of any show we've ever done we're not politically correct we will apologize no, i mean no offense mean we don't learn from i mean it. no offense by that whatsoever that's just the word that that came out if that has some negative connotations i am very sorry um what is the correct word mentally challenged challenged i guess impaired impaired maybe backward well backward is definitely politically (laughs) (laughs) if i can't have retarded you definitely can't have backward um uh yeah all right fair enough let's just well hang on so we've had we've had we've had retarded we've insulted scousers oh fuck scousers i don't care about that um (laughs) i I do genuinely care if i've been offensive to whatever the politically correct term is. I again I'm about to say if I've been offensive to retarded people. Um I, I don't know what the proper term is. Um it's fictional, he can be yeah, whatever. Simple? Is that worse? Uh, yes. I I don't know. Why well, well, I, I, I have no I have no idea I'm guessing. He's <laughs> educated as listeners. I don't know. How, how do people work? How do you how do you decide arbitrarily which is better and worse? Is is retard worse than simple? Let us know, folks. We don't fucking know, clearly. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for that to get taken down in seconds, I'd suggest we run a Facebook poll. Um, I don't think that'll end well. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, there are so many different terms for the various things that can cause this kind of impairment, which would maybe then become the name of the person. So, as a catch-all, I'm sticking with retarded. I'm sorry, but I am. Okay, and to be fair, there's given what causes this particular retardation. If we're going for if we're going for retarded, then I don't really think there's a technical term for it. No, 
I don't think there is either. So it's either. I mean, we've got like four and a half years to find out what. We it either is, need to go with simple or retarded. We can't go with simple because I just want to do the meerkat noise. Simples. Um. Okay. Well, anyway, that's Hodor. Well, from now on, we shall just refer to him as Hodor. That's the easiest thing. God damn it! Call him by his he name. He is a Hodor. That's what he is. Um. So yeah, and then we kind of um we get into this this scene then um between bran and Tyrion, and Tyrion once again just like the uh previous conversation he's had with john about being a bastard uh drops some absolute truth bombs on bran uh you know there's, there's a whole exchange where bran says i'm not a cripple and Tyrion returns his body with then i'm not a dwarf um also therefore clearing up the question posed by us on uh on, a, on another podcast as to whether he was a dwarf or a midget um Tyrion is a dwarf it's there again apologies if that's apparently offensive well i think we knew that that was because we, we called it at the time but <laughs> look, look Tyrion calls yeah. himself a dwarf so that's that's it that's canon that's what he is he's a dwarf we can yeah he, i mean, I mean Tyrion has all the way through to be fair yeah um and i mean like realistically um the more important insight there is that we've not met tywin yet no um, but we've had lots of allusions to the fact that um Hit that Tywin doesn't approve of Tyrion. Um, I think in um, in episode two, uh, episode one, where John John says to um, Tyrion, Hang on. "Get out, out, Jess, get out, downstairs, get out." Cut that bit again. Um, yeah. Oh no, you totally Tywin have to leave yet. that in. That <laughs> that was Mark's daughter, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about the interruption. Um, she should be in bed. She should be asleep, but she's being a little shit. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so we haven't met Tywin yet. Um, and we've had two two allusions to him now. Um, one in the first episode where John, where he's talking to John about only being, being a bastard, and John says to him, what do you know being a bastard? And the response is, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. So you immediately, get you know, before you've even heard of Tywin Lannister, you get this utter disappointment and contempt for his son. And then this is probably, I think this is one of the the most poignant uh, references before we meet him in I think the next two or three episodes, whereby um, again Tyrion just sees fit to say, well, look, no, my, my father my father disapproves of me because of the way I was born. There's nothing I can do about it. It's not my fault. Um, I I am the way I am, but because of that, I'm a permanent disappointment. But if you say I'm not a, or if you say you're not a cripple and I'm not a dwarf and everything's hunky dory and everything's fine with the world. And it's just it's a, such a throwaway part of that comment. The important part is I'm not a dwarf because it belittles what Bran is saying. Yes, but it's a very it's a very opportune piece of character building that we don't we at this stage because we, we haven't met the book we don't we don't think anything of it. And when he pops up then in two or three episodes time, it then starts to take a bit of precedence. And the, the fact we meet him with Tyrion, um, you kind of see where he's coming from. He's not, he's not exaggerating that Tyrion is treated like a piece of shit that he's stepped yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is just another example. Um, and I'm really realising it. I was aware of it uh, in later seasons anyway, but in rewatching it, where we're doing these this world building now and these character builders, um, I'm realising just how much of an MVP Tyrion is for this writing team. Like, any time that we need extensive amounts of backstory or we need a character beat... Um, Tyrion just handles it as a character and Peter Dinklage as an actor putting those words out there um, just handles it with absolute aplomb there is no he just 
it just goes straight over this stuff and just and throws it out there it doesn't whenever somebody else does it it feels stunted to say the least uh, ironically. Yeah. Uh, yeah ironically but but Tyrion just seems to be able to to throw this stuff out there and, and let it go um we get the, the the brief scene where um he details that he's designed a saddle for Bran to be able to ride a horse um once yeah. again showing him to be the the absolute best Lannister in in terms of his uh relation with others um and then we move on to this scene between him and Theon, where again we get all of Theon's backstory in one big hit, in one scene, we yes. get told everything we need to know about Theon and why he's such an absolute cock, um, and it's all handled by Tyrion again, and it somehow miraculously manages to not seem like a huge unwieldy chunk of exposition. I don't know how Peter Dinklage does this, but he's absolutely gifted with exposition. He really is. Uh, I think he is. I think part part of it's the writing, but part of it's the delivery. That he is. We talked last week about um, Jamie being the master of the backhanded compliment. Theon is the master of the veiled put down. Yes. Yes. It's like you don't. I, I'm talking to you in a way you probably don't even realize. I'm being a cock. You probably don't realize how much of a bastard I'm actually being, because what I say is true. It might be a little bit hurtful, but it's true, and you know it's true. But beyond that, beyond the surface of that. I could be tearing you a new one and you wouldn't know because you'd just be smiling and nodding thinking you're being clever and keeping up with me. Yeah. And, I mean, this we get a lot of this in the first couple of seasons and as he grows in importance, he does it less, he, he pontificates less and sort of, you know, he starts making sense, which is unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, in these early seasons, these the little speeches he makes and these little interactions he has, which seem so trivial at the time, are absolutely perfect and they're absolutely yeah, spot and on. we get so much so much exposition out of them um i mean I, i've written yeah. here in our notes like he's he's basically he's our narrator at this point um anytime we need to be brought up to speed quickly uh they use Tyrion. he is narrating the story you know he is very much like ah you're yes. so and so and this is why you're here and here's all the backstory um but it it just never yeah. feels forced it's it's really excellent to be fair, um, there is there is a lot of good stuff in this episode. As I say, I don't I don't think there's actually going to be too much moaning at all this week. Um, yeah, you say uh, that. I've got, I mean, I've got some stuff, but it, we'll, yeah, we'll oh, no, some. I've got some stuff. But in general, this episode is is pretty good for stuff like that. Um, and then we get the, an introduction of another great character. We get Sam showing up at the wall. Yeah. Um, no, Sam was the first of my favourites that I mentioned um, earlier on. Um, yeah, it's again, it's just really well handled. Um, he, he turns up, he's completely out of his depth, he's completely lost, and within seconds he's having the living shit kicked out of yeah. him. Yeah, and, and as much as, I mean, I, I too like Sam as a character, I think it's impossible not to like him because he is... Oh, he's, he's yeah, infectious. He is, he's, he's, like, he's like chlamydia or something. Yeah, he's, 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 he's just this huge, lovable oaf of a character. Yeah. Um, but what he does really well, and obviously, I having not read the books, especially on on a first watch, he felt to me like he was very much a foil for John, and he does that really well in these early seasons. Because yes. when Sam shows up and starts getting bullied, it brings the best out in John. It shows us this leader, yeah. and it shows us this this guy who's 
because by association then John chooses to side with him by association then that brings out insults towards John and you get the whole bastard thing thrown in and they're like yeah. oh they're lover boys and, and all of this stupid immature stuff but John being John is tough enough to wear that on his sleeve and he does much like Tyrion's advised him to do start to wear his problems like armour um, and, yeah. and just rise to the occasion continually Um I mean, John defending Sam in this scene is just absolutely boss. <laughs> He's just like where, where they, they get like people to square off against John and he just looks them straight in the eye and says, are you sure you want to do this? And he is just yeah. so quietly confident. It's amazing. Yeah, even before that, I mean, when you get um, uh, Alistair Thorne, it's just saying, right, if you, want to, if you want to stand up for him, I'll, no, I'll, 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 I'll give you a problem for it. And he's just like, I don't care because yeah. it's right, and it's this um, this moral compass which comes up time and time again with John. Um, and I know we talked last week about some way the sort of the John Snow character started to to really sort of find his feet. And this is no, this is just sort of an extension that where he's like, okay, you can beat no, you could you can set hundreds of them on me. I don't care. I'm doing what's right. I'm no, I'm standing up for somebody who can't stand up for himself. I will deal with him separately. And later later on, they have a conversation on top of on yeah. top of the wall. Um, Whereby John sort of tries to say, "Look, you, know, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to fight back. Otherwise, you are going to die." Um, but at the moment, that's the least of my concern. My concern is they're going to kill him unless I stop them. Yeah, I, I, I love this iteration of Jon Snow. This, this character is the one that really loses his way the most for me to, towards the the end of the show. Uh, and it's why I got mm. so annoyed um, because my buy-in to Jon Snow at this point in these early seasons is massive. Um, I am fully on board with Jon and Jon's story. And every time something like this happens, I'm even more like, yeah, go on, Jon. You know, he's he's my boy at this point. Um, he mm. he kind of is learning to be Batman at this point. And he, there is an amazing Batman moment with Jon Snow later in this episode, which I'll bring up when we get to it. But it literally is a Batman moment, um, and that yeah, that definitely. really is. It feels like that's where his character's going. You know, in these early seasons, like no parents shunned by the family that he does have in this point. So, so literally an, an orphan essentially, um, although highborn um, because he's coming from Winterfell. So he has all the privilege that he needs, but chooses to turn his back on that and just defend yeah. the world. Um, and use all of the rage and everything inside him and channel it outward. He is Batman. Um, but anyway, um, this is the point where I started to get the horrible artifact in towards the end of this scene. Right, okay. So if he did take on like 70 guys, um, I, I missed that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, only 32, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we then move on to some Danny and Viserys stuff. Viserys still an utter cockwomble. Actually, so before uh, we go, I be, really can't wait for him to get his. Come yeah, up I mean, before we go into that, there's a um, there, there's a really nice bit at the end of that scene. Actually, what you did miss was um, Sam thanks John for sticking up for him, and you know you get you get this uh, sort of impression that obviously Sam is there. He's desperate to. He's, he thinks he found an ally, but he doesn't want an ally. He wants a friend, and he you know, because he's been he's been no he's highborn as well. He's been brought up now properly. Um, he wants he wants to do the right thing, so he feels he owes John. So he thanks him, um, and John's just like, no, whatever, I no, don't make me do that again. Um, but again, just because of, because of what John needs Sam to do, no, not not because he doesn't appreciate it, it's just because if I keep on if we you, I keep on saving you, you keep on thanking me, nothing's going to change and you're going to die. 
Um, but it's a really, you know, it's a really heartfelt thing from Sam, and I think it, it's a it's a start of that relationship which builds throughout this episode and then through the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I missed that unfortunately. Yeah, so that, that's the only bit you missed. Um, yeah, but yeah, then we move on to Viserys just being an utter cockwomble still, hmm. um, and then we get this scene um, with Danny and and Jorah are both riding on horses and having a conversation, and it's like. All of a sudden, somebody slipped the director like a load of ease or something, because <laughs> like there are cuts all over the fucking plate. Like it's like it's car crash editing at this oh, point. Like, we're jumping all over the line. We're practically going three hundred and sixty degrees around. We're going from nice tight close-ups out to wide shots, back into two shots, and it seems to cut on every single line. Yeah. It's nuts and it's not something this show has done in the past or the future i don't remember doing it that often after this either we even get for a little while they start experimenting with this kind of horse tracking cam where it's as if you're in the saddle of the person talking so like you're in danny's saddle talking to jorah and you get the the movement of the horse and you're in tight on his face and it actually made me feel quite sick um it's horrible, and I don't ever remember seeing it before, which suggests to me that it doesn't happen too much more. No. And I hope it doesn't, because it looks like amateur. It hour. does. No, I'm, I'm uh, wondering, actually, thinking of where it is and who's in it. Um, it there was an interview with her fairly recently where they were talking about the end. Or they were talking about the last season, and she was saying that she said that she had a, an aneurysm midway through season one. Uh, and I'm wondering if this was them trying to cut around her not being there. Potentially, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I may I may be making that up as I know she she well, she did have a very, a very serious brain injury um, during season one and another one, I think it was like between season one and two or season between seasons two and three, um, which almost killed her. But I'm wondering if this may be a case of they, they had to cut around her um, just to get the shot done. Possibly because it certainly feels like they are just working with what they've got. There is no yeah. There is no logical reason for them to cut the way they cut. It doesn't fit the story. It doesn't fit any motivation. It's a. It's not even a particularly exciting or interesting conversation to be given this much no. life. But not only that, it doesn't fit the 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 editing style or the model no. that we see in the show either. So I'm wondering if it, if it might be something to do with that. I might be completely wrong. Um, and if anybody who was there happens to know the answer, please let us know. But get in touch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't make. As as a, an artistic choice, it doesn't make any sense because it's not it's never done been done before. It's never repeated. No, and um, it's entirely and, and it unmotivated. Just, as I say, it just yeah, doesn't... and it's fucking ugly. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, so we then move on and we get tits, um, or sort of tits. Um, we don't really get a lot of them. Um, we get we get sort of tits um, from a from a side perspective. Um, and again, we start to get some exposition, but now we're getting it from a whore with the tits out. Um. Yeah, now, I, I'm not being funny. Of all the people who are in this show who get their kit off and get them out, this secondary character, who I'm not sure you ever see again after this episode, is the only one who gets to cover up. Yeah, it's weird, that, isn't it? What the fuck? Who, who wrote her contract that was so much better than all the others? Yeah, unless again there was a bizarre artistic choice there of like, oh, we're gonna try and be all softcore and we'll hide our nipples. Um, Why? I don't know. <laughs> what's come before and what will come after it? Yeah, and then we we get this. I mean, we we get the the information 
that the Iron Throne was forged by the breath of a great dragon. Yeah. Um, which which just seems like some cool shit at this point, but hearing it now, having seen this show play out, yeah, that's quite nice. Um, yes. Doesn't that's... excuse any events that <laughs> may happen that are related to it in the finale. Um, no, but I mean, it, 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 it's a beautiful callback in the finale. But it's um... there, as I as I've said several times, a lot of these problems that people have in the finale have been there since the beginning, and there it is. Yeah, there and, you I go. Mean, Let's say you no. Know, it's we we get there's so much talk of the Iron Throne all the way through the show, but there aren't you don't hear too much about it about where it came from, and this is probably the only time where you hear how it was constructed, how it was forged, um, as of the the so the mythos and the legend behind it. Um, I, I can't remember if it was in, a pre, in one of the early episodes um, or in a later one this season, because I have watched ahead, um, where Daenerys is talking about the um, the throne of the Thousand Swords and how. In her, no, to, in her brain, it, it must have been so tall because a thousand swords would be you know, miles up or whatever else. And it's again, it's just part of this mythos. That then after season one, I don't think you get any more. Nobody really talks about the Iron Throne apart from to, to name check it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's almost a character in this early season of its own, isn't it? The Iron Throne. Yeah, and like we talked in, I think it was episode two, um, we talked about Winterfell seeming like a character and King's Landing later on as well. Um, and yeah, the Iron Throne is probably the only other real example of that. Um, the only other one coming close, I think, would be the Wall. But um, yeah, it's this no, it's it's this sort of mythic, almost sort of almost a peripheral character in itself, whereby yeah. you know it's something it's something that everybody wants to be a part of. They don't want to sit on it. They you know they want to be the Iron Throne effectively, yeah, uh, because of what it represents. Um, and so this you know this is a it's a fairly no talky scene. It no not doesn't really go anywhere um but yeah you just get this nice bit of story behind it that just sort of sets up for what will be well it, it is a talky scene and it, yeah it doesn't really go anywhere but it does raise some weird fucking questions question number one right why does viserys have a scar over his nipple that's where they took the third one off how did it get there and what is the point because that's being applied that scar like somebody's made a decision to put a scar on his maybe nipple. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's real. Maybe maybe it's real. Maybe the actor's actually got a scar of his nipple. In which case, why? Yeah. I want to know the story behind the nipple scar. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. We'll see if we can get him on the show and he can answer for you. Yeah, that would be good. I would like to know the story behind the nipple scar. Is it, if it is the actor's, is it that he had a nipple ring that was ripped out? I don't know. It seems like, because it's such a small scar, but it's also so perfectly placed because it kind of intersects his nipple diagonally, much like if you were trying to do uh, a cut over the eye, yeah. uh, you would you would go diagonally. It looks like it's been applied. Yeah. Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice. That's not what I was watching in this scene. I, I didn't notice it initially, yeah, yeah. and then I did pick up on it, and I, once I saw it, I couldn't see anything else. Um, and I spent a great deal of time focusing on the nipple scar um i have to go back and rewatch it now because that's that's not my experience of this scene at all now i don't i don't think it's been explained at this point and i don't know if it ever does get explained but it's maybe not, it'll come up in a future episode i'm pretty sure i would have remembered something like that though yeah it's not ringing a bell i don't recall it ever um, being mentioned before I, I don't actually recall seeing it to be honest no so there's that and then there is dragon names as pillow talk which is the nerdiest shit I have ever witnessed in my entire oh, yeah. fucking life. 
I mean, I've seen some pretty nerdy shit, but that's like next level. Yeah, that is like, I mean, I know she's a whore, so maybe she's just pretending, but I don't think she is. I genuinely think she is getting off on high fantasy dragon names. That is the nerdiest shit I have ever witnessed, and it makes me horribly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, uh, there, aside from that, though, there, were, there was some interesting character work in the scene for what there was. Um, you've got the, um, the bit where she drips a candle on him. Um, yes. And so we, we had in the first episode, and we'll have it throughout this series, um, um, the talk of the, the, the dragon and fire and heat and all the rest of it. And in the very first episode, Daenerys gets into a bath which should be far too hot for her um, and doesn't feel it. Whereas in this, he, why, he, he purses and whines like a little bitch when she drops a candle actually and wax on his chest. Um, now, granted, there's no hair there to protect him because you now he's like a little, little, little girly boy chest, but there, um, it's a little bit of candle wax. You know? It's not as if somebody dropped a fucking fat tower on you. Speaking as someone who has had a face full of candle wax, um, it does fucking burn. It does hurt. Um, I won't bore you with the story of how I came to have a face full uh, of candle I, I think, wax. I think you need to, to be honest. I, it's it's really not all that interesting other than I was trying to be clever in a bar, I was very drunk, and I ended up... I, basically, there was a candle on the bar. Did you, did you drink a candle? No, I didn't drink a candle. That probably would have hurt less than what I actually did. I'm sure I've been with somebody when they've done that. I thought it was you. Uh, no, in my drunken head, I sort of... I, I, I thought that science meant that if I briefly removed the oxygen from the candle by putting my hand over it to snuff it out, and then quickly reintroduced oxygen to the candle, it would relight. Obviously that doesn't work, but I was drunk and thought it would. So, (laughs) put my hand over the candle. That burned to start with. Put my hand off the candle. Of course it didn't work, so I thought I would introduce as much oxygen as possible, not even thinking that humans don't actually expel oxygen, we breathe it in. So I blew on the candle very hard and ended up all of the hot wax came out of the dish and splashed me in the face. Not my brightest moment. Um, yeah, to be fair, that's up there. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know where the science came from, nor the actual... <laughs> well, you mean idea. the distinct lack of science? Uh, yeah, I mean, beer is, is the answer to that. Um... Yeah, so it, it, speaking from experience, candle wax does fucking burn. Um, I mean, more, your face I can understand because the skin coverage is far less. Yeah, I mean, more maybe that's how you got the nipple scars. Um, maybe. Yeah, but more interesting to me here is the whole revelation that Viserys has actually bought the whore for Danny, uh, because this is the same whore as the previous episode that teaches yes. her to fuck. Um, yeah. and that again is just. Ew, their relationship is ew. It really is. Um, yes, it is. Uh, I mean, when we come to the, the scene with Danny oh, Sarah's yeah. later, I'll, we'll talk about that some more. Cause, yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Uh, we then get a scene where we start again. We get some bollocks, old tiny exposition of world building, and we get names thrown out of like the Conqueror and so and so the Cruel, and just this stupid high fantasy bullshit that i don't care about this is boring and this is why i don't like fantasy and this is why i haven't read the books it has no relevance on our story just move the fuck on we don't care um so i but 
another thing that that I noticed in this scene. So this is the scene with, with the High Council. I think the the only one that you get in yes. this in this episode. Uh, but they, they're talking about all these people. But there's a bowl of fruit on the table, and this is how bored I am by this high fantasy <laughs> bullshit. Uh, because I really noticed this bowl of fruit, and I noticed a bowl of fruit last week in the same scene setup with it, the High Council. Any time we see a fruit bowl in this fucking show, it is the fakest fruit. And like it is clearly wax fruit. Like clearly. <laughs> now I don't know whether this is just because I'm watching in high def, and this was maybe. still very early days, so maybe they thought they could have got away with that shit. But maybe it is clearly wax fruit. Um, so that's another one to look out for. But like besides the nipple scar. Watch out for fruit, because it's, it's wax, I'm telling you. And later on, coffee cups. Uh, uh, yeah, and of course, Starbucks later on. Um, <laughs> we then get, um, again, some, some nice threat building, where we get the line about John Aaron's sickness taking him quite quickly after we read yeah. a specific book. And uh, Ned obviously picks up on that straight away. As it says, then, the curse of the mummy shit. The book is cursed. He died as soon as he read it. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to read it. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, well, what I mean, Ned's obviously idiot. Ned's ahead of the curve, and they start speaking in riddles a bit here. They start, yeah. uh, and and here's the worst line of the episode, one of the worst of the show so far, and certainly my biggest issue with this episode. They start referring and I say talking in code, and they start discussing poison, uh, and then we get the great line that poison is a woman's weapon, apparently, because uh, yep. women can't use swords and ship. That would be wrong, wouldn't it? They have yeah. to use poison because they can't get their dainty little hands dirty. Absolutely. Uh, um, women and eunuchs, wasn't it? There was something else. Over kind of women and eunuchs, yeah. And then we get yeah. the revelation that Varys oh. is a eunuch. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Varys is a eunuch. In other words, look at him. He did it. He must have done it. Yeah. Look over there. Look over there. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but then, conversely, I've said that we get this thing about our, um, poison is a woman's weapon. And in the very next scene, we cut to Arya just doing some full-on Daniel LaRusso karate kid shit. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I, like, she's practically about to do a crane kick on these stairs, and then we yeah. find out that she's going to be, is it studying cats the following yes. day? Um, I love it. Anytime, anytime I is on screen in these early seasons, I fucking love it. As, as she's, and, like, and learning to be who yeah, she's going to be, it's it, great. It is brilliant, and there's, there's a, a line of hers when... Um, Ned says, oh, you know, you'll marry a lord and you'll have, yeah, you'll you'll have his, his sons and, and lords yeah. and knights and princes. And she goes, no, I won't. And she goes back to you know, practising her... Yeah. She um, says, no, her, her that's, that's not me. And, and yeah. her delivery is is absolutely perfect. This is another yeah. one of those scenes that's just played perfectly. She's so matter-of-fact about it. She isn't insulted. She isn't, you know, she doesn't take yeah. it as a put-down. She's not it's aggressive. She knows that's that's the way the world is, but she's just not willing she, to accept she that She flat herself. out says, that is not who I am. No, yeah. that's and, not and, me. And that line will come up later on as well um, in a couple of years' time, and hopefully I'll remember this part of the conversation when we get to that episode, because she uses it again on somebody else, um, not something else, I should say. Um, and yeah, again, it's just the way it's delivered, absolutely perfect because it's so poignant. Yes. Um, but this scene, I love this scene because, um, as you know, for her character, it developed very well, and the, and the way he Ned responds to her is very is very fatherly. But when you have the conversation with kids where they go, and my teacher said this, and my teacher said that, and my teacher said this, and my teacher said that, and you get so fucking sick of hearing the teacher's name. I have that every bastard in day. It's just nice to see another father go through that, even even if it is on TV. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, his response to it again, he's just now laughing it off because he knows exactly what's coming next. Serious head. Serious head. Serious head. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, shut up. I, I didn't even pick up on that. Um, so that that's... Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, not being a father, I did not pick up on that. My children just mow at me. Um, uh, wish mine did sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so then we, we move on to, and we get the scene with Sam and John on the wall then and we get Sam's backstory, which again... Um, it's on the nose. It's full. Of, it's a big old exposition dump. But the way it's done and the way it's handled by these two, is it's heartbreaking when you hear it, it from it him. It is. But I mean, yeah. it's it, it's an exposition dump. But because of the way it's yeah, it, it, he's he's telling it as he's telling it as a story anyway. Yes, it's so perfectly he, he, no, played as it's, well. It's it's pitched so well because yeah. he is telling he's telling the audience, but he's telling John, and the audience just happens to be there. So he's. That's the way you would tell us. So if you've just met somebody for the first time and said, oh, where are you from? Tell us a bit about yourself. No, and if you're telling that story as shit as that story is and as fucking heartbreaking as that story is, that's how you would tell it in the pub. Yeah, totally. So, um, and yeah, yeah and it's, it kind of bonds them. And then obviously, John, no, it's a very, it's a very, I don't want to say intimate moment, but no, it's 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 a very, um, it's a very personal moment for them. It, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a spark of their relationship as opposed to earlier yes. on where it's a, uh, whereas no, John didn't really want to engage, and John kind of makes light of it because he doesn't really know what to do, and we all do that sometimes. Now you get to, you're in a conversation, you go, "What do I say now?" It's a very oh, fuck it, inappropriate joke. Yeah, fuck it, it's a very it. real moment between two yeah. male friends, is what it is, um, because they're not you, especially the environment that both of them have come from, where they're around lords and knights, and you know, as we saw with with um, John and Rob having their weird awkward yeah bro farewell you know they're not used to relating to other men whereas in this environment it's something they're going to have to do quite quickly um but yes. it is, it's a very real moment um between two men where it's just like i i hear you i've heard everything you're saying but i'm not allowed to show you my emotion so i'm going to make light of it but yes it's handled much better than the whole thing with rob was for instance it, yeah. it feels real and especially at this point in their relationship like they are just getting to know each other so sam has maybe just overstepped and overshared ever so slightly here so john's just like put the brakes on let's just i'll, I'll throw you an insult and all will be good so, yeah it, it just it rings very true to me um, yeah it does i mean it, it's um i mean it was for for what could, i mean for the content of, of sam's story it could have been quite heavy um and it could have been quite a downer for for that point of the episode but there's such a deft touch to it and then it, it ends so well with you know it starts well and ends well you know, John tends to come to the fire because he's freezing and Sam oh I, I, I'm not I'm fine because he doesn't want to impose because that's the way he's been brought up you're in the way fat boy you know, go yeah. away leave us alone you can go freeze in the corner just leave us alone and John's you know, John is there again he's looking after him no don't do that don't be such a prick get over here warm yourself up otherwise you know again you're going to die Yeah. come here and then you know, they have the conversation and at the end of it John makes John makes the joke and they're having a bit of a laugh and oh, Sam Sam is at ease because oh, he he he's found the friend he's looking for he may have found the friend he's looking for John's John's at ease because now he 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 knows there's a person in there he, he realizes that again as he as he goes on to say in his next scene you know, as much as there wasn't really a place at Winterfell for him there wasn't a place um, at the Tarly home for for Sam yeah. so and that's how he's ended up at the, at the wall and that's how they've all ended up there so you know, that and it, it's it, it's that thing that he realizes what binds them and so the bonds they build very early on whereas others don't and it takes others a long time to get there yeah yeah and it's all very nicely handled um and then yeah. we move on to another 
excellent scene. There are there are this this episode is like a collection of extremely good scenes. Um, we, yeah. we get this whole walk around of King's Landing with Littlefinger and, and Ned, and Littlefinger's yeah. pointing out everyone's various spies and who they belong to, and it just yeah. it brings us right into this kind of political thriller web of intrigue stuff, which runs through the rest of this season, and then. I feel like it's at its absolute best in this season, like it's done really, really well. And then the show just tries to mimic that for the rest of its run in spite of the other stories. And it just, they, they never, yeah. it never feels like they get back to this because the world got too big. Whereas here, this little political story is confined to King's Landing, which is, let's not forget, a walled city. So Ned's yes. in there with all of these spies and it feels like a dangerous environment even to the point where little fingers shown him around and pointed out all the various spies and ned sort of says oh maybe i was i was too harsh on you or, or something like that or, or i think yeah but maybe i was wrong, I was I was wrong, wrong not to trust you. you wasn't it was was the line and little fingers says oh no yeah. you were actually quite right to distrust me it's the wisest decision you've made so yeah. even his friends are not his friends um yeah and then you know we come straight off that into him finding out a huge revelation so we've got a powder keg now. You know, we're right in the middle yes. of this. He's in a dangerous environment with some dangerous information. Um, because, of course, he, he follows the book through, goes to the blacksmith, meets... Um, how do you pronounce Gendry. his name? Is it Gendry? Gendry. Yeah, Gendry. I keep yeah. wanting to say Gendry, and I've written it down. No, here, and I'm like, I know it's Gendry, but I want to say Gendry. But I know it's Gendry. Um, so yeah. apologies in advance if I ever mispronounce this in the coming episodes. Um, but it won't happen too much because, as my notes say here, like Gendry's another character. Like he starts out strong. I I was instantly drawn to him. I like him, um, but he gets jettisoned like very early on in in the show's run. Um, I think he sticks around he, he, for this season and a bit of the next one, and then yeah. But I mean, it's it's done in a story way, so it's not as if they just kind of go, "Oh, fucking yeah, we just don't need him anymore. We'll we'll just leave him to rot somewhere." They, no, there's actually a story point to him going missing. Um, so I mean, it's it's not handled particularly sensitively or sensibly, but at least there is some logic to it. Yeah, it, it's again though, it's it's one of those things where there is so much story going on. And as I said last week, they, they, they seem to jump around a lot and never really decide whose story it is and focus in on, on it yeah. or, or just jettison stories sometimes. And, and I kind of feel like, you know, for what he actually adds over the course of the show, they could have done without Gendry altogether. Well, yeah, I mean, when we get to season eight, there's um, quite a few issues with characters who have been played up so much mm. and then do, then do fuck, fuck all. And, and Gendry's one and of them. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about major characters, obviously there are issues with the writing that will come up and all the rest of it, but there are entire characters who, and there, there are sequences that are only ever written into season eight. Yeah. Um, there's one between Gendry and Arya, and it never comes up again. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, part of the thing with adaptation, and, and I know there's been a lot said with these later seasons that, um, that the showrunners uh, are good at adapting, but they're not good at writing their own stuff. But, you know, here's case one, and I pose this, that they're not even that good at adaptation because to effectively adapt something, you, you need to realise that you're working in a different medium and you need to, like, really hone that laser and get down to the core of the material which is why in a lot of adaptations you'll see entire characters jettisoned or multiple characters yeah. snowballed into one amalgamation and a lot of these yeah. little stories things like gendry and all of those you could easily have had a cipher here 
and rolled all of these characters into one rather than had all of these various plot strands going on that kind of just fizzle out to nothing yeah and i mean i know we talked about this at length last week so i don't want to go into it too much but yeah it's, it's kind of like they they wanted to make a, dra- a direct translation they didn't want to adapt it they didn't want to make it fit for tv they just wanted to make a show of the book then read the fucking um, book yeah read the book instead of, instead of spending a couple hundred million on the series yeah, yeah. Better off just buying everybody a copy of the book and sending yeah. it out. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they adapted this because I would never have read those books. I will oh, never read those books. Um, so that you know what I've got, I'm, I'm more than happy with. But yeah, there there are points where it, it could be a lot tighter, and, and this is one of them. Um, but anyway, we get introduced to Gendry. I like him as a character. He's got he's got yeah. a little bit of fire about him. You know, he's. He's clearly a capable fighter and is built as such. He's built as if he's almost going to be the hero that rides in and saves the day. Uh, we start building with yeah. that, especially with Ned's line about, you know, if he ever looks like he wants to pick up a sword, you send him to me. Um, yeah, and I mean, especially because, I mean, it, it comes up later on, obviously, when, when he meets John. But again, this whole thing of, you know, Ned, Ned realizes who he is pretty much straight away. You know, he takes one oh, look at him from a certain he looks angle. looks at his eyes. And, I mean, come on. Yeah, fuck. I mean, yeah, okay, well. But I mean, no, he 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 recognizes him as being Robert's son straight away. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing from anything that is said that could give that away. So he clearly recognizes him, and you you automatically look at there. No, there are parallels there that no, there are the bastard sons of the best friends who are running the country. Yeah. Um, oh, we think they're running the country, and yeah, you just you 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 expect at that point because we've we've been introduced to Ned's bastard from no from minute eight. Um, well, we know we know he has a bastard son. We know that. You know, he he's no he's going to be a big part of this story um, going forward, and you kind of expect that Gendry's going to be kind of a mirror yes, for that. You do, you do. And then, as we said, they kind of piss that away and just jettison him for a couple of yeah. years. So, so we get the information anyway that he is uh, King Robert's bastard son, is how Ned Stark puts it. And literally, all yeah. this scene is missing is dramatic music and a raised eyebrow. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. The way Ned throws it. This is a rare occasion where Sean Bean does not hit it out of the park, but then he's working with. This what is he's the Sean got. Bean I expected. Yeah, uh, where he's asked who was that, and he says that was King Robert's bastard son, and it's literally just missing. Dun dun dun. <laughs> but not only that, I remember thinking when I was watching it today. Um, you're in the middle of a very crowded. Very Why would you throw that out there, area. especially when you've just Why would you shown that? how many spies there are? Like, yeah, why would you ever say that in public? It's ridiculous. It just makes no fucking sense. And it's again, this is the sort of thing that knocks me off with the writing throughout this yeah, show. Yeah, there are some very they stupid they, decisions. I mean, they they don't think of the world they're in. They don't consider actually that's. You might want to say it because it moves the story on, but it's not as realistic no. know, as a show about dragons can fucking be. It's not realistic. You wouldn't say something it's, that's supposed to be a big secret. No, what, in, in the middle, middle of a street and, and what it is and we're, we're going to scratch the surface here of something that is going to be a recurring theme in this podcast so much so it probably even needs a jingle if anybody can write one out there um but <laughs> action and consequence just does not exist in the world of game of thrones and it is my primary problem with all of the writing actions do not have consequences there are some points later on um mainly with the hound actually um there, there's lots of talk from characters about having revenge and this and the other. I think the only one who genuinely does get his revenge in a particular situation, I think I think it's in season seven, the old uh, Lovejoy episode. Um, he gets his revenge in that. 
or following that. Um, but beyond that, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, oh, there there are occasions. You know, this isn't like every single character, but the majority. In the majority of the time, actions don't have consequences. Deaths, especially, and this is the really annoying thing: characters' deaths. Like, by the time we get to season two or three, and people start to to buy into this whole shock death thing, this becomes like death porn. It's like a fucking saw movie. And these characters just get introduced and offed with such speed that no one's given time to breathe, if you'll no, pardon the pun. That's right. I, mean, um, I think the problem with it is as well is that because people expect it, and I mean, um, we talked about Walking Dead last week, and they get no, they do some fairly high-profile deaths and some very, no, some fairly big mm-hmm. stuff, but it's not constant. And no, and when those deaths happen, they, they are something. felt. Yeah, they, yeah, they, are, they f- are felt, and the shockwaves will run through seasons, yeah. like from one season into two, two or three, three later. seasons later. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, this, you have one, and then the next episode, it's kind of mentioned, but then you're on to the next one. Or, yeah. to, re- to just to piss on it, to completely diminish it, there are 300 people die in a fire. You know, it's it does nothing mean it doesn't mean anything. No. So as as a as a viewer as a fan, you don't get to grieve. You don't get to um, you don't get to have that response that you're supposed to have when uh, a treasured character dies. And we'll get no. onto that in episode eight of the series. We'll get onto that several times throughout the course of this podcast. It is my primary cause of vitriol against this show. <laughs> it is what causes me to storm out of the room, drop remotes, say I'm never watching the show again. <laughs> like a sucker, I always came back. But but if you didn't, oh, you wouldn't get to do the show. So you know. It has been the cause of so many angry rants. Uh, we'll get to them as and when they come. But yeah... Um, as I say, you just picked at the surface there. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Um, so back to this thing about Game of Thrones insisting that every character has something to do in every episode rather than just saying, ah, they're not actually of any use to us this week. Yes, we, um, won't, we won't pay them this week. We won't have them in this yeah, episode. We see Jamie Lannister guarding Robert's door. It's a nice scene. It is. Um, I, I really like this scene, actually. It doesn't, it again, it doesn't, doesn't mean do anything. anything. Um, uh, but we get some great stuff. We get, like... Uh, the exchange where uh, the other guard says, oh, Theon Greyjoy, he's a good lad. And again, Jamie, true north, all the time. Theon, he's a good lad. I doubt that, Yeah, is Jamie's response. But, I mean, even before Perfect. that, um, where, as I say, it's, it's the head of um, Ned's um, guard or whatever, they, no, whatever they, they're yeah. being called. And he said, oh, um, I beg your pardon, Lord, forgive me, my lord. He said, why, have, have, have you wronged me? Have you, no. Straight away, yeah. he just doesn't give him a chance he, he stri- puts him on the back foot straight away and this is this is what Jamie's very good at it's what Tyrion's very good at as well he disarms people with words and yes. the difference being that Jamie can do it with the sword as well and Tyrion can't but he disarms people with words and he talks his way around them to a point where people don't really know how to engage with him yeah I mean and so by the time they actually get the, with the idea of what they're doing it's like oh what did I come here for what was I going to say oh for, oh yeah that's right and all of a sudden, Jamie's then in control of that conversation. Yeah, totally. As I say, he originally describes Theon as a shark on a mountain top, which in and of itself, yeah, yeah is great. But in of itself, there should yeah, be a t-shirt. It, but it takes you a moment to go, huh? <laughs> so he's already got the guy in the back foot, and then he, he sort of rebuts him with, "Oh, Theon, yeah, he's a good lad." And again, then you get the, "I doubt it." Um, then, just in the middle of this scene we get what is unquestionably my favourite line of this episode, if not potentially the show so far. Go on, this. I bet this is going to be the same one I, I ever written I absolutely... I, I 
I spit took or did a spit take. I don't know what the correct parlance would be there, but I did a spit take into my coffee. I was taking a sip of coffee. The door opened. Robert's in the room with a bunch of whores who you're laughing and giggling and slapping and tickling all the way through. The door opens and you just hear, I bet you smell of blackberry jam. That's Amazing. <laughs> like that has got to have been ad-libbed. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you get the impression that say the fucking stupidest, filthiest thing you can say, you can think of, and it's 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 oh, you smell like blackberry jam. Let me see if you taste yes, like it. It's and yeah, you're like, what the amazing. Absolute... I I it's... but again, just seeing Jamie having to respond to that as well, and you can you can only imagine how many takes of that they did, whereby you know he goes to shut that door and somebody's standing there with their yeah. cock out, or you know somebody's drawn something horrendous on the back of the clapperboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, why would that. people do that? Um, yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, you can just sort of get you can imagine how many times they they broke him before they got that scene totally. to work because he has to keep such a straight, he has to keep a perfectly straight face. Such a well, calm, yeah, because of course the idea of the scene is that Robert's actually trying to get a rise out of him. He's he's doing this to yes. rub it in Jamie's face. Um, yeah, but what a line! What an absolute line! Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I wrote it down because I bet you. Yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> I was actually howling with laughter. Um, we then get more John and Sam stuff. Although Sam's not actually in the scene, it's just John defending Sam to the other members of the Night Watch in his absence. Yeah. I, I fucking yeah. love this John, as I've said. Like, just absolutely like. Look, you need to leave this guy alone. What you're doing is wrong. But moreover, now he's my friend. So, fuck you all. Yeah, and and, and again, he he kind of goes down that, that that route of look. He's 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 the same as us. He's got nowhere to go. There's no place for him in the world. So he's come here. He could be in a million other places. He could have gone any fucking where. He's here, same as you. So yeah. get on. With and it. then we get the Batman scene. Like genuinely, like <laughs> John just wakes the guy up in the middle of the night with a gag in his mouth and two flanked by two other members of the night's watch either side and ghost on his fucking chest snarling in his face like yes it is some high level batman shit it is like don't you dare even consider crossing me here's the shock and awe of what i'm yeah, capable no. of yeah whatever whatever you think i'm gonna do yeah. had the dog like you need to be scared of me, basically. Absolutely using yeah. fear as a weapon, uh, which we've not seen him do up until this point. Like, he's been honourable and he's shown that he can handle himself, but this is John the fucking badass. This is like, you you do yeah. not cross me and mine. I love it. Absolute badass scene. Yeah. Um, plus, any time we get to see the Dire Worlds is always a good time for me. <laughs> uh, Ghost, also my favourite. Yeah, I... So, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I think you... You see um, brands in this episode very briefly start, yeah. on the bed, but no, again, doesn't do anything, and you say, "Oh yeah, there's yeah. a wolf there." Great. Uh, actually, no. The only thing it does do is when Theodore opens, yeah. it growls, which again, I, I had a bit of a smirk at that. I thought, yeah. Whereas, whereas Ghost is full on ready to rip out a throat here. Oh yeah, Ghost is snarling, and no one's like, no, he's ready for action. You know, he, he wants something to eat. Yeah, totally. What do you feed a dire wolf all the way up there? I mean, I can't imagine rations are. Uh, are big enough to, to feed a dire wolf. Uh, I guess you let it stroll north of the wall and eat what it finds. Um, How does it get back in? I don't know. It's not going to ring the bell, is it? Oh, you could probably scale the wall or something. I don't know. Uh, probably. I don't know. Uh, just a thought, anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, good, good question though, because nobody else has a wolf or anything up there, so you'd think the rest of them would be like, hang on, you need double rations for your fucking dog, what's it bringing to the mix? Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there are maybe there are hunting dogs or something there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've got to feed horses and shit as well, haven't they? So there's going to be stables and animal feed. Yeah, but you don't feed horses meat, do you? Maybe the die wolf eats the lame horses. Ah, uh, yeah. That saves on disposal costs. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So there you go. Um... So yeah, we get that scene. Then we get John in the very next scene standing up to the commander um, and completely yeah. usurping him, just directly disobeying an order and one-upping him, letting him know, like, these men follow me, they don't follow you. Uh, there's yeah. a real power play there. And again, it's awesome. This is, the, this is the, again, a genesis moment of John, the leader of the Night's Watch. Like, he yeah. is a leader of men and they will follow him. Uh, because he's commanding respect at this point it's great well that's it and i think that i mean uh alistair thorne is kind of he's your token movie drill sergeant yes you know yeah. he's there to tell them all shit because it's it, it's, it's a tough love thing he's telling yeah. them all shit because you know, it'll inspire them and make them work harder to please him to and it, at the end of it you know, by the time they they take their oath they'll be ready that's kind of that's the way it's set up but he's no he's not there and you get seen I don't think it's next. I think it's a little bit later on where Sam and um, and John are cleaning um, cleaning the armory, and it descends again into a bit of a laugh. And they're they're pissing yeah. about, and he comes in and he starts talking about you know, what winters were like and you know, how hard it is you know, up, up north of the wall when you know, when when winter comes in as opposed to when you're in places like Winterfell where it might be cold, but you've got a fire and you're indoors and you've got a bed to sleep in. Um, and again, that's you know, that scene. It starts off quite poignantly, and it's 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 you almost think that this kind of this character is going to sort of not necessarily break down, or not necessarily start respecting them, but he's he's going to he's going to give a bit of himself to it, and he starts talking about when they cannibalize the horses and when they start cannibalizing each other, and you think, oh, okay, this, you know, this is a you know, this is a realization for his character that actually these people are there, but then he just turns into a savage little tit again and starts talking about how they should have eaten, or they'd, they'd have fed for a fortnight if they eat Sam. Um, yeah. And then, uh, when, and when they when they when they graduate as men and lights watch in a couple of weeks' time, they won't be men; they'll be boys, and they'll be dead by Christmas. Um, and you, you actually realize, actually, he's, he's not doing the drill sergeant bit; he is he's just, just a, a cock. Prick. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I mean, you get more of him later on in the show, but you, you almost get the impression he's he's jealous of the fact that these people will come and have something; they, they'll come and go north of the wall, and they'll be rangers or wherever else, and he is stuck there training the dregs of society who don't want to fucking be there and have no right to be there most of them should be dead they should have been hanged but that's all he's got because nobody takes the night's watch seriously anymore and it's kind of like a, there's like a bitterness to his character where he's just like well fuck it i don't really want to do it nobody wants me to do it so i'll just kind of get my way through it take my money and go down the whole house at the end of every year Every, every month when I get paid. Yeah, he's he's a nasty piece of work. And, and I mean, just to touch on that scene, we'll, we'll come back to the one before it um, shortly then. We'll just jump forward on this one because we're talking about it. Um, you do get that uh, that sort of moment between Sam and John, and it's played very much like earlier, except this time they're talking about losing their virginity and, you know, they, yeah. they refer to it as having a Sally on the side and just generally, again, like blokey banter. Um, and John, but this time John opens up to Sam instead of the other way around. He does, and Sam kind of Sam um, makes the same joke twice, but not know where to put it. Um, and it's so out of character at this point because we've not seen Sam do anything other than, other than be uh, Puslanus little twat. No, he's he's so cowardly, mm -hmm. he's so timid and meek. Then all of a sudden he's no, he's growing his balls, and he he, he he starts busting on Johnny. Hang on a fucking minute, where'd that come from? I think this 
the characters are starting to get comfortable with each other, aren't they? And then... Well, that's that's it. And it's not just comfortable with each other. He you know he realizes that he's got you know, he's got an ally in John, yeah. but also in the other men because because you know, they follow they John, try yeah. to kill him. They follow John, and so because of that, he knows he is safe and he can trust them. Therefore, he's not they're not going to kill him in his sleep. Yeah, and, and again, it's also that that thing of um, just. John slightly oversharing and so Sam disarming him with humour as opposed to acknowledging that okay actually yes we are both virgins even though you're obviously far more attractive than me and I assumed otherwise Um, you've proven me wrong but rather than say I'm wrong I'll make a joke about it Um, you know and it's just avoiding that uncomfortable situation Yeah, and there are two things that struck me with this um, this scene actually apart from what we just said is that there seems to be only one whore in Winterfell Yes, because Theon talked about Roz. Now, Theon talked about Roz when he was with um, Tyrion at the beginning, and then yeah. um, uh, obviously John's talking about you know, the uh, the beautiful redheaded uh, or Roz with the perfect tits, whatever it is. And th- in the very first episode, when we first see Tyrion, he is in the brothel with Roz. Yeah, are there no other fucking hookers in Winterfell? Apparently not. Apparently not. Seriously, talk about a one hooker town. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, awful. I mean, the men of the north—they're honourable. This isn't King's Landing. Um, also, also, there are more animals in the north. Well, yeah, there is that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's quite—it is quite an interesting scene as well, though, because again, you just kind of assume that that John, looking the way he looks and being the kind of man he is, and essentially, even though he's a bastard, being highborn, you'd assume that he is just getting the ladies um but he opens yeah. up and, and says that he, he hasn't uh and and moron goes to explain you know there's, there's a nice bit of character work here as well where he says yes. like look I'm a, I'm a bastard i'm not gonna make more bastards because i don't want anyone yeah. to have my life um yeah and, and considering his life was quite fucking privileged compared to other people's you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's um it's a weird juxtaposition because it, it, he it's supposed to be noble and you, know, you get an impression of him as being a noble character but in fact, his life wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah, okay, he didn't know his mother, and yes, there are issues well, surrounding that. There's a stigma, but at the same time, it's not as if he was living in the gutter. No, but it's it's more the emotional baggage of that, and again, him wearing it on his sleeve and choosing to wear it as armor as opposed to just carrying it. Yeah. And it's it's the Batman choice again of you know this is this is my damage, and I'll make it work for me, but it's yeah. never going to affect anyone else ever again. So long as I have something to say about it, um, again, yeah. Jon Snow, Batman, two sides of the yeah. same coin. No, yeah, no. The only problem I have with this scene, and it's this scene and the scene on top of the wall between these two as well, is that Kit Harrington's accent goes all over the fucking shop. I can't say I noticed. Um, he, I mean, Kit Harrington, he's you hear interviews with him, and he's quite well spoken. He's got a little bit of RP about him. You know, he's he's, he's not a northerner. Um, and his accent, for the most part, is fine. But there are certain—I can't remember what words they are. But there are certain words he says over no, more than once in each scene, and you just get—it goes a bit Irish, it goes a little bit Southern, and you're not quite sure what the fuck he's doing. Um, and whether it's because he's getting into the scene and no, he's sort of getting into the character, but and he forgets himself, or whether he just can't do those particular words, which I know some actors have issues with particular phrases and words, it just tickled me. But it, it did pull me out of the scene a couple of times of, of the two scenes. Um, I just find it quite amusing, but if you haven't noticed yeah, it, that's, totally, uh, that's quite wa- totally washed over me. Um, but that might be because I'm just standing hard for Jon Snow at this point. So, you know, maybe I- I'm just not 
not noticing the the little things like that. Um, but then in this scene as well, yeah, this is, this is the point where we get the whole speech about um, what it's like out there in the long winter. Um, yeah. and, and we get the line, if you took your gloves off to have a piss, you lo- you lost a finger to the frost. Yeah. Now, fuck your fingers. If just expose it, yeah, surely you'd be more worried about your dick dropping off if just exposing your fingers to the frost is going to make them drop off. Then the same thing's going to happen to your dick, surely. Well, yeah, you'd think so. I know it's not as if they're going to be wearing a cock warmer. No. It? So why he's worried about his fucking fingers is beyond me. Um, oh, I have no idea. But there you go. Actions and consequences again, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we jump forward there, but to just take the, the slightest step back then, yeah. um, we get a scene where Danny uh, stands up to Viserys, and it's great. Yes. She's really starting to grow as a character now. She, it she is, and it comes, it comes on the back of a really fucking uncomfortable sequence yes. whereby um, he, dra- he drags the whore into her... It's not really a tent, is it? It's kind of like a hut. Yes. But it's a very nice hut. Yeah. Um, he drags the whore in by her hair, and he's, he's beating her, and all that. You don't give me, you don't give your sluts commands to give to me. I'm the dragon. I'm the king for all this bollocks. And again, she's very calm. She's very rational. That's not my intention. You've misinterpreted. You've misunderstood. I wanted to invite you to supper. I've made you the. Oh, I've got you this gift. Please, no, to the other hand, may take this one. Clean her up. Help her out. Leave us alone. Um, and she's you know, she's starting to become a bit more regal and a bit more authoritative in herself. Now, she's not this sort of demure, simpering little sex toy that she was at the beginning. Um, and so she's starting, she starts saying, and then all of a sudden he belts her and he's got her on the floor. He's pinning her arms behind her head. And again, it, I mean, you don't know where the intention to rape her is there, but it that's how it like looks. It, yeah. It's I'm going to teach you a lesson. You have no, you have angered the dragon. I'm going to show you what happens when you do that. And you don't know whether you're going to stab her or try and rape her. Um, and it's so uncomfortable to watch. And then she grabs some fucking golden trigger and smacks him about the head with it. Yeah. And he's the look on his face is like he's a five year old who's been caught stealing sweets and had a wallop for it. Yeah, it's a great scene. It is a great scene, and it's more character genesis stuff, really. You know, we very shortly thereafter we get we go to the scene with john and then we come back to danny and she she actually utters the line then that you know um viserys is unable to lead an army um and and the the steely look of determination on her face when she says it is literally like i am gonna do this not him um and it's right there you know there's there's two parts of there's the fact that my brother couldn't lead an army even if he had one um but i can but also, my brother couldn't leave now if he was given one, so I'm going to make sure he's not given yes. one. And he's... it's no, there's, there's, because at this point, you, you've just had the exchange with Jorah where, now again, she calls him out for selling slaves. Yeah. And whereas in the previous, in the previous time it was mentioned, there were poachers on his land and he was trying to, know, it, no, it's, it, was some, it was something and nothing. This time it's, it's a far more personal account where, yes, I did, and I know it was wrong, but I did it for what I thought were the right reasons, and the right reasons turned out to be wrong anyway. Yeah. Uh, and again, you get a bit more insight into his character, and obviously their their relationship is building to where that goes in in future. Um, and and yeah, it's it's a really that's a really nice scene because it sets up so much of both of their characters. Yeah. And the journey they're gonna go. Yeah, I mean, Danny's. I, I feel like we've talked about the character genesis, kind of the sparks of it being there in the other episodes. But I feel like Danny is as she will become. Then Danny, the the breaker of chains and all of that. Danny is born here. Yeah. The, you can see the look on her face. She is 
she has had the call to action here. She realizes that she's yes. going to lead this army, um, and everything yeah. she does after this kind of leads towards that. Um, so we get that, uh, and then we get into sort of the we're sort of on our way to the closeout of the episode now with the um, with the joust. Uh, and we get again. Yeah. Arya, I, uh, I, I love Arya so much when she's, she's still oh, a child at this point, so is able to get away yeah. with just childhood innocence, but also this don't give a fuck attitude that she, she will take through into her adulthood as well. Where, um, yes, sort of Lord Baelish is, is sat next to Sansa, just being creepy as all hell as he is, and Arya just yeah. Actually, so I just remembered something. Actually, before we're talking about Arya, before we talk about this scene. When was when the the whore uh, was in the the bath with Viserys and she's talking about all the things she's seen, she lays out the entire fucking series, all eight seasons in that one in that one thing. She talks about um, talks about um, men who take their faces off oh, yeah. as, as he's yeah. taking their clothes. All this stuff they, she lays out the entire fucking show for eight years, and it's 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 skipped over so briefly. And it's only start talking about Arya remembered about it, but it's again it's so deftly done because you, you wouldn't even notice it was there it's such a throwaway comment yeah. and it only starts to mean something later on yes um again all of that stuff is there at the, at the beginning you know and i particularly hate the whole thing with the, the house of many faces the story completely lost momentum for me there but yeah it's it's spelled out you know as is mm. I, people resurrecting she talks about people resurrecting and things like that like it's it's all yeah. there um and yeah, and yeah it's, it's thrown away um i'd i'd not made a note of that actually i i did mentally clock it um in, in the scene but i was so obsessed with the nipple scar that i didn't make a note of it so <laughs> so well done for bringing that up yeah um yeah because you mentioned yeah, yeah. but you I, do I mean, you, I mean, I you get it all spelled out um but yeah you got this whole thing where baelish is there being creepy as all hell to sansa and introducing himself and Arya just flat out no ways and graces just turns around and asks flat out why do they call you little finger uh, yeah just doesn't give a shit no and i mean i i would if it was me writing the scene for just for the shit of it i'd have i'd have or if i was shooting this scene i'd have added the line because i have a little dick just to just to see who breaks first because no it's it's such a no i mean his explanation is such a fucking stupid one anyway i was the smallest child on an island called the fingers or something what the fuck they're Um, two young girls though creepy as he is i I still throw it out because i've got a small dick it's probably little bit crossing the line um, but let's be fair we all think it yeah. the first time you hear the, the, the nickname Littlefinger we're all thinking he's got yeah. a small dick he has yeah. a small penis that's what yeah. we think it stands for and that's why Arya's line yeah. is so funny because she knows that herself as well and she's using it as a weapon yeah. here um, yeah I love her so much no again I mean yeah I mean again this seems pretty good um, uh, Sansa again being a complete bitch um, completely useless simpering idiot mooning over Joffrey um before Littlefinger turns up, and uh, we've had one scene with her earlier on as well with the scepter as well, where she you know she she shows a bit of backbone and a bit of spunk where she's talking about you know why do I need to know all this stuff about who built the Red Keep? What I want to know is how did my grandfather die in yeah. this room? What happened? And she's she she does stand up for stuff a bit. She does show a bit a bit of gumption, which she doesn't show a lot in this, these early seasons. Um, and then yeah, we get to this scene and she just turns back into you know moony eyed teenager. Um, but yeah. Um, Arya is brilliant, and there's a shot of her um, at the end of the joust, which I think is perfect. Um, but this is the first time you actually see Robert in this scene as well. You've heard him earlier on, but you see him, and he's there in all his yeah. pomp. Um, Cersei's there looking as if she could be anywhere else because somebody just shit on a cereal. Um, and he's, Robert's line is, 
want, I've been here all, sitting here all day, start the joust, I, I need a piss. I'll start the joust before I piss yeah. myself. And you just, you're at that point where you say, he just, he's a buffoon. And yeah. For all the all the work they've done with him in the last couple of episodes, yes, we know he's a drunken braggart. We know he hauls around. They they show him to be an absolute dick. They, they in, really in do. Bit. They really do. Um, I, Especially since, you know, you've been introduced to his bastard yeah. child and you've been shown his whoring and all the rest of it. And, and, and his attitude of, of making Jamie stand outside to listen. There's a side to Robert that's not really talked yeah. about. But he's a fucking vicious man. Yeah, he is. He is, and they show that here. Um, um, and then uh, to a point where Cersei gets up and leaves. Um, yeah. And then we get the rest of the scene with the joust. Um, well, the the joust itself is is just a throwaway thing. I feel like maybe they just wanted a joust, which is fine. Um, they did, but it kind of serves a purpose because you had the um, the guy um, Sir Hugh, who was John Arryn's squire, who's yeah. now been made up to a knight straight away. Um, and again, it's all put on. You you get um, Ned starting to do his Sherlock bit and. Uh, well, how quickly was he made a knight after John Aaron died? Well, well yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, it must be straight away. Again, implying there's something going on. And if you look at the relationship between Thickle Games and uh, the, the Lannisters. And then, yeah. so, conveniently, so he was against the Mountain. And in what should be a, um, what should be a very amicable, very, you know, very entertaining joust, turns into him getting his throat speared. Um, yeah. By by what no his, his lance had a fist on the end of it whereas presumed no well, if the mountains did it didn't have it for long no um, the mountain interestingly though dressed entirely in black looking like a fucking medieval Darth Vader yes um, not subtle at all the mountain the first of three actors to play the mountain yes I noticed that when he when he raised his helmet I was like that's not the mountain I know no um, and it's it's not I mean the the mountain that must be remembered obviously is the, the deformed. Yeah. Um, mutant genetically modified Frankenstein's monster thing um, but yeah so this, um, you get you get him here and then he'll be played by somebody else in the next season um, and then you won't see him again until season 4 and then the last 4 seasons he's played by um, the world's strongest man guy um, I can't remember his name um, so yes I mean it's, it's the first of three um, first of three mountains yeah um, but the thing that struck me most three was peaks that, oh. yeah hey. um the thing that struck me with this scene um, towards the end, once you had that bit where obviously um, see whose throat's been stabbed and being taken out with his lance, and he's there coughing out blood. A, you get the instant noise of flies on him, which I think is a beautiful touch. And then you see the fly as well. Yeah. You see the fly, and then you see Arya's face. Yeah. And this is the best thing she's ever fucking seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. And her face. It's just lit up, and everybody else is there trying not to vomit. Everyone else is horrified. Yeah, She's possibly crazy. with the exception of uh, Robert, because he's probably pissed and can't see what's going on, yeah. and he's probably more annoyed that you know somebody's gone and died on his watch. Um, but yeah, Arya's face is absolutely perfect. And then you get Littlefinger leaning in, starting a power play, and giving Sansa the story of the Mountain and the Hound, and you're like, is this? Is this really the best time for this story? Like, but is there is there ever really a good time for this story really, for that I mean, character? I mean, no. If, I mean, for the for viewers, yes, it's an important story, and we we you know, we we build up to it for the next eight years as to know what would happen when the two of them smack down. And and you can't help but feel like this was sort of played for the viewers' benefit because it's definitely given at a point where it's going to have the most dramatic heft because we've yeah. just seen the villain be a villain yeah. and then we get the backstory and again it's this kind of creeping dread that yeah. is being built but it's like again 
But why, why does Sansa not, need to know that? Yeah, this doesn't make What's sense. What's it going to do to her? Yeah, this doesn't make sense. It's another one of those decisions where it's just like, not here. Like, yes, we need this information, but this that's handled very badly, I feel. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, it's such a... It's 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 so important going forward to um, the, the characters, the Hound of the Mountain, that it's kind of thrown away a little bit. Yes, it is. It is, and it would have been better to organically build that rather than just throw it in there for some cheap, some cheap sort of uh, tension. Um, because the, the yeah. next scene has plenty of it anyway. Yeah. Because we, we sort of cut to Ned and Cersei basically speaking in veiled threats to each other for the entire scene, and we get more of that political tension. They're not even that veiled, to be honest. They're not. They're very thinly veiled. Um, Neither of them is flat out saying it. But... Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing that struck me with this this scene, actually, um, and it's very disappointing, it's very annoying, is that Ned's there. No, he's got, he's got the dagger that they tried to kill Bran with on top of this book, which apparently gives away all of the all of the the, uh, the country's secrets in terms of parentage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Doomsday Book. It's the census. So he's got that open on a page which could you know, probably lead him to Cersei. She comes in. He makes no effort to hide it. But what's more annoying is that in the time it's taken her to leave the joust and walk up to where Ned lives or where Ned works, she's had her hair done and she's changed her fucking dress. Didn't notice either of those things. Her in when she's down at the joust, her hair is up and it, you know, it's 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 very neat and it's very you know there's like sixteen tons of hairspray on it to hold it in place. By the time she gets upstairs, it's in a completely different style, more akin to what we normally see her in. And she's gone from wearing a brown dress to a red dress. And you can't even play that it's a different day because she does say in the scene, why aren't you at the, your tournament? Yeah, which, no, to Ned's response is, not my tournament, it's the King's tournament. But yeah, it's it's played for, you should be downstairs with the rest of us if I've got to suffer, so have you. But yeah, it's clearly the same day. I mean, that's just careless. That's Starbucks cup level careless. I think that's even worse, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. I, know, I mean... I mean, you know, some, somebody leaving um, a non-prop in a in a filming area between takes that happens, and it's unfortunate, and there should be something continuity picking that up. But for a character to, because they're filming on a different day, to be in a completely different costume when she only ever appears in these two fucking scenes, yeah, there's bad. no reason for it to be in a different costume at all. No, that's bad. Um, that's pretty poor. But other than that, it's a great scene. It's more of that political tension that that, that we were talking about earlier. It's, it's a bit. It's a great scene. Yeah, the, the writing is great, the performances are great. I mean, as we talked about Sean Bean and a rare misstep earlier on with his um Yeah. With his performance. But um Lena Lena Heady, Lena Heady, whatever you pronounce it, very rarely puts a foot wrong in his early seasons. No. Uh, she very rarely puts a foot wrong anyway. I, I feel like towards the the late seasons it's more the writing and creative team that yeah, I think so than her. Um she just doesn't get given the right material, I think. Um no, I think you're right. I think I mean they, we talked about it last week. They sort of almost turned her into a pantomime villain because she, they just don't know what to do with that. One again, once they go away from the source material and they start writing it for themselves, yeah. it's kind of like some of the characters get lost because they don't know what to do totally. with them. Totally. So so yeah, we get that scene, and then uh, we're into the closeout with um, Cat and, and Tyrion at this. Yes, no, I bar. love this. So scene. did I, and fucking hell, it's Braun of the Blackwater. Like I didn't realize. It was who's my other favorite? He's the other one I was talking about when he turns up. I ah, love right, okay, Bron. so we were on the same page, and yeah, I, I thought Holdor was one of the other ones you referred to, but yeah, Braun, one of my 
personal favourites as well, but my earliest memories of him are much later on in the show, actually. I didn't realise he was there from season one. I, I, I did, because I, I, I watched ahead um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I started watching again before we talked about doing the show. Um, so I knew he appeared. I forgot he appeared in this episode. I thought he, he was. they met him at the Vale where, in the next episode where Kat takes him, takes Tyrion off to the Vale to face justice. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I thought he appeared. But yeah, I mean, straight away, and you, again... Tyrion comes in, and you know, the 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 uh, bar patron wench, whatever she is. Um, we haven't got any rooms, and he's you no know, knocking a coin, a gold coin, and so surely somebody can do something about it. And everybody's sort of you know, averting their gaze and all the rest of it. And up steps Bronn and goes, "Hey, you can have mine. I'm good with fuck, whatever. I won't pay. I won't pay in." And you, at this point, you have no idea who this character is, where he's going to come from. He could just be yeah. some average dickhead in a bar who's, yeah, I have my room, I'll take the money, I'll go elsewhere, I'll go find myself a brothel or whatever. Um, and he will be, no, he will obviously become important later on. Um, but yeah, this scene, it's slightly overplayed for me. Um, I mean, the, I don't think she needed to, no, I mean, um, it's, it's Kat's. very overplayed on Kat's part, very much so. Yeah, I mean, Kat, Kat, Kat's there. She's in hiding. She's you know, and her and Roderick Castle have got you know, they've gone undetected. God knows how because you know, it's the old Marvel disguise of putting a hat on. You know, it's kind of fucking lazy. Um, but she's there. She's you no. Know, but to be fair, Tyrion calls it straight away. Like she's trying to hide from him initially. Yes. When he comes in. Yeah, but and, and, and I mean, that, that, no, that's that, that's good, and that that works really well. I mean, yeah, he he totally calls her on it. Um, but yeah, it's like you no, know, she's there, and no. Your father and my father are friends, and your father and my father are friends, and your father and my father are friends. I don't really like you, but you know, yeah, I'll use you as well. Which one of you will arrest him for me? And all of a sudden, these fucking six swords are at his throat. And yeah, it, I feel like the intention of the scene was good. Yeah, but it she just comes off as a she comes off as a dick to be honest. Yeah, because rather than do the dirty work herself, she goes, "Oh, you and you." It wouldn't be so bad if you know if she picked one of them and just says, "You know." Your your pledge to our house, arrest him. The fact that she calls all three of them in this weird power play yeah. just makes it come off as, as just yeah, it's, it's just a dick move, really. It, it, it it's a dick move, but also she's so fucking desperate at this point because I mean we talked about in the, the last two episodes where she's a complete fucking badass, and yeah. in the next yeah. episodes um, there's a scene where again she's in a situation where you wouldn't expect her to come out of it particularly well, and she kicks ass. So to go from where she's been to that via this piece of crap where she's just like, I can't possibly get my hands dirty, I'm a lady. You know, and yeah. it's just it's just a bit disappointing. It is. It doesn't I don't like the way it ends. Um I like the scene at the start, I like the fact that we see Bron. Um yeah, I, it just doesn't feel right with with Kat here for me. But I mean don't yeah. get me wrong, I mean I think the the performance from um Oh, what's her name? Is it Michelle? Somebody. I don't. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the performance. It's it's the scene itself just escalates to the wrong place. Yeah, it's just somebody. Um, it's just it just kind of feels a bit heavy-handed. Um, Michelle Farley, I was right. Um, yeah, it just it feels very heavy-handed, and it's, it's, you, again, you just get the impression that the writers have gone right. There's so much stuff in the books, and we could probably get away with not having all of it, but it would be useful if we had some of it. Yeah. Let's kind of throw a little bit in. And so that's where they name-checked all those people. Yeah, and again, it's just the stupid high fantasy, son of so-and-so, father of so-and-so. I don't care, it's not relevant. He, she just needs to seize him. She could literally have picked any one of those yes. and said, you're, you're 
pledge to our house, arrest him. Or she could literally have stood up and said, arrest that man. They're in the north. Like, you know, she she has more sway than he does. Well, that's it. They're, yeah, they're, they're at the crossroads. They're, they're kind of they're kind of meeting halfway, aren't they? He's on his way down from Winterfell. Yeah. She's on her way back there. So they're kind of halfway. But yeah, she's like, I'm Catelyn Stark, formerly Catelyn Tully. Somebody arrest him. Yeah. Job done. Exactly. Yeah. But no, and it's so played, and then, you know, this fucking extreme close if you get on her face. So, so who will ta- who'll take him in so he can face justice? And so, Again, oh, it's sake. like, dun, dun, dun. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's bad. It's cheesy and bad. Um, yeah. So, the, you know, another misstep, just like the Gendry one, and we also have the horrendous rapey nonsense going on with Danny but other than that this episode itself is is pretty light it's very entertaining as i said at the start um yeah, yeah it's good it, you know there's there's no mention of winter coming or the white walkers again which no. fucking annoys me every time we've jettisoned that storyline this week for some reason um but i respect the decision to do it in as much as we focused on the political stuff instead now if that was the show that this had become fair enough but it's not and we're going to end up going back to it. So it's like, just just give us the White Walkers. That's what I care about. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't, I, don't for, for me, I mean, this this episode is about a minute shorter than, than last week's. Um, mm-hmm. Our episode is considerably shorter. Um, but I mean, it's it seems to go to move a lot quicker. It seems, the pacing seems a lot better. There doesn't seem to be as much drag in it. Um, no, I, it definitely pops along better. It's, it's funnier and lighter is yeah. what it is. There's and, a much... Deft a touch to this episode. Yeah, and I think a lot of that. I mean, last week there was not, there wasn't so much of John. Um, what you did get of John was quite heavy. Um, yeah. Whereas this week you get again, you get to see a bit more of his character. You get to see a bit more of John, the humble, the the, the, the humble young man who is going to go on to be a leader, a reluctant leader. Um, but he's there because he's doing what's right, and you see a bit of that. You see Daenerys all of a sudden going, you know what? Fuck yeah. this noise! I'm not. I'm not, your, I'm not. I'm not your slave. I'm not your punching bag because you can't. You, know, you can't command an army. You can't get things done without me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start showing you. That actually, you need me more than I need you. Yeah, it's a John and Danny episode. It really is. Um, like the other characters are in there, but again, you you kind of. I feel like this is an episode where you do start to feel kind of the weight of those other stories that they feel must be told like i said the scene with jamie that goes nowhere um you know even the scenes with ned really like it it helps build this political intrigue but short of the gendry thing they don't really go anywhere um it's just every major story step we take in this episode really is is related to john and danny and it's it's their episode now so I'd almost have liked a little bit more of them, but what we got was fine. And as I say, at least everything was handled sort of with a bit of a deft touch here for the most part, aside from those clanging dramatic reveals. Um, it, it feels to me at this point, like watching this episode, this feels more like an episodic show at the moment than the kind of grand overarching story that it will become. Um, and I actually think I prefer it because of that. I feel like they're able to to be lighter and they're able to just get away with a bit more. Once we start focusing on this grand overarching story and everything has to slot into place and we spend ages and ages with tedious exposition that then gets flushed down the toilet, that's where the cracks start to appear. Whereas here at the moment, you kind of forgive them a lot of stuff 
because if you don't like it you're on to the next thing very quickly and it's fun and it's light so it does yeah it feels more episodic and it it, it works better because of that it does and i mean a lot of that's done to the writing i mean um this is the first episode not written by um benioff and weiss um so written by brian cogman who was um he was a a writing assistant on the pilot he who was then hired as a for the full series as a script editor and his unofficial title was keeper of the mythos uh, for the show which is fucking awesome yeah. um or it would be if it would uh yeah if if there was yeah if it all actually held together fair play yeah so, so no i mean his um his main job um was uh was completing the show bible um which Maybe you should have stuck to other things, but uh, we'll get to that later on. But it's it's a cool title. I wish I had that title for something. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so yeah, that, I mean that's I, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty much all I've got to say about this episode. It's, it's light and breezy, and and I enjoyed it. There's nothing major that pissed me off here. There were a few uncomfortable moments and and a few yeah. poor choices, but yeah, for the most part, there's more good than bad. This yeah, time around. I, th- I think that was um, I think that was my, my take on it as well. I know it, it moved along better than last week. It was a bit a bit more interesting. We didn't learn as much, but it kind of it felt it, even though you found out more about the world and the characters last week, this seemed to move the story on a little bit more, and yeah. it kind of gets you back. To, I mean, the next episode, um, the Wolf and the Lion, um, you get a bit you get a bit more progression on the story um, as well as some some decent character work. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those that. It seems to gear us up for it a bit better than last week. Last week kind of didn't go anywhere, and so you, if you feel that this is the one you should have had last week to keep things yeah. ticking over, and you could have lost an episode quite easily, apart from the fact you'd have lost all that character work. Yeah. But yeah, this felt a lot um, a lot easier to me. It didn't seem like a slog to watch it. No, not at all. Not at all. It, the the hour or whatever it was, just short of an hour, I think, flew by. F- yeah, 56 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, well, so as always, we'd love to get people's thoughts on that. Um especially on the nipple scar like even if you've read the books and it's explained in the books like if it's there and that's why he has a nipple scar hit us up like yeah, i need to know because it's yeah, bugging me and if, you know if it's uh if it's the you know, if it's the actor and if it's natural and all the rest of it, again somebody let us know because chris is going to go on about that for fucking ages otherwise oh yeah yeah i'm going to bring out every time and yeah like let us know we'll shout you out and stuff um, yeah um but yeah i mean so get in touch but you know um Get, find us on uh, Facebook at, with the Devil Down Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at DD Podcast Net. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net. Um, you can find our previous episodes, our other shows, including uh, last week's epic uh, Who Wins podcast, where we pit uh, Tyrion Lannister against Willow from the film Willow, um, not from Buffy, um, in a bit of a dwarf on dwarf smackdown, which has gone down pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, shows out, get in touch. We, you know, we, love, we love the feedback, we love interacting with people. That's why we do the show. Um, but yeah, until next time. Game over.